What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ciao e benvenuto back to Simply Serie the Italian football podcast brought to you by the FNX Network and hosted by me, Harry Simiu. As you can tell, I've been brushing up on my Italian, uh, getting there, I suppose. Keep trying. Uh, can't guarantee instant success, but we'll keep going. Uh, and that's the main thing, isn't it? Now, before I introduce this week's panel, I'm going to round up the results from week 23 in Serie A. Atalanta 2, Spau 1, Bologna 1, Genoa 1, Chievo 0, Roma 3, Fiorentina 0, Napoli 0, Lazio 1, Empoli 0, Milan 3, Cagliari 0, Parma 0, Inter 1, Sampdoria 0, Frosinone 1, Sassuolo 0, Juventus 3, Torino 1, Udinese 0. My panellists this week, once again, are the brilliant Tommy Milanese from 90minute.com. Tommy, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Great, man. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. Just uh, at the time of recording, I've just watched Manchester United get thumped at home by PSG, so I'm pretty <laughs> pleased with myself this evening. And also joining me is the fountain of Italian football knowledge. That is Mr. Vittorio Campanile. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for having me again. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure, as always. Uh, right, we're going to start off uh, just touching on a result that, that's happened this evening, just moments uh, before we've come on to record. The final whistle has gone in the Stadio Olimpico, Roma 2 FC Porto won Nicolo Zagnolo with two goals, uh, putting Roma in the driving seat, but they did concede an away goal. Uh, Vittorio, in your opinion, could that have a massive bearing on this tie? Roma will be really disappointed with that, won't they? Yeah, I fear that 
this goal could change a little bit of things. Um, Roma didn't play amazingly well, but were 2 nil up thanks to Zaniolo. That it's the biggest surprise of of this season in Serie A. Uh, but they struggled defending, and uh, we know that Porto didn't have the striker today, and so things can can change when they play at home and they just need one goal to qualify. So it's going to be really tough for Roma, I fear. Yeah, I agree. Tommy, uh, what are your thoughts on it? How much, you know, could that have a bearing on this tie? You know, having gone 2-0 up, you'd have hoped that Roma would have seen it out, but that wasn't to be the case. Yeah, definitely agree. I mean, it was a good result, not a great one, uh, just a good result. Um, yeah, they they're gonna struggle, I think, to to keep it because it, it's. I think it's very hard to go in a game like that away and mentally because you know you don't want to defend from the first minute because that's where, where you're most likely to concede. But at the same time, you don't want to uh, attack too much to you know to don't leave too much space. So it's gonna be tough. Um, yeah, but it was a good game. Like Vittorio said, it was an exceptional for Roma. It was good. Uh, Zaniolo did very good, even though I mean one of the two goals was. Uh, just a tap in, but you know, to score tap ins, you need to be in the right position. So, fair play to the guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's turn our attention now to Serie A. That is what we're here to talk about. Uh, I just felt that given it is a Champions League night and we've just come on uh, to record the show moments after it's finished, it was worth touching on. Uh, so we'll keep a close eye on how Roma get on in the second leg, of course, and we'll keep you updated uh, here, of course, uh, as we do on all things Italian football. Now, Let's turn our attention to the champions, Juventus. Uh, They've announced the signing of Aaron Ramsey. It's a deal that we all knew was in the pipeline. It's something that hasn't come as any surprise to anyone, given the the sort of stories that have been floating around of late. Now, in you guys' opinion, I'm going to start with you, Vittorio. Is Aaron Ramsey what Juventus are missing? Because their, their sporting director seems to think he is. And, and does he warrant a €400,000 salary per week, if that is indeed true? Well, the, the rumours of the of the wage of Ramsey, uh, I'm not sure it's... Uh, in Italy, there are other... Uh, they're talking about other, other, other things, so I don't think it's, it's what, what they're saying here in UK. My concern is that Ramsey... Uh, it's 28, so it's not that old, but I'm not sure he's the perfect guy for Juventus. Obviously, I think this year what was missing was option in midfield, and Ramsey give you those types of options that Juventus didn't have this year, and he's a player with a lot of experience. So I think it's not about signing, especially because uh, you know Juventus didn't have to pay Arsenal for the player, and uh, for this reason, the wage increased a little bit when you when you. Yeah, get agreed. a player at the end of the contract. the The problem for me is that you're getting this player. You know that you're going to have two very good year probably, and then it's going to drop off eventually. So it's it's a signing to win immediately, and maybe not to build up in the future, which is maybe the thing you should be thinking about. Because um, if you think about the defenders, they're very good, but they're even very old. Yeah, we're talking about Barzai, Chiellini, Bonucci, etc. Um, Rugani is not proving to be the player they were hoping to to have, and so if you if you see, they probably need some youngster that that come in and maybe don't play in the 
in the in the coming years, but will give them a bright future. Yeah. Absolutely. Tommy, from your point of view, uh, you know, uh, and I get what Vittorio is saying, of course, when it's a free transfer, the salary is going to be bumped up a little bit, isn't it? And and even if it isn't 400,000 euros a week, and it's more around the 250,000 mark, as I've seen some of the reports in Italy uh, are sort of saying, have Juventus still gone overboard in your opinion? Is Aaron Ramsey going to add much uh, to this Juve squad can he be the player that takes them to the next level and, and the next level has to be Champions League glory doesn't it I think it is a great signing for Juve if I was a Juve fan I would be happy about it I'm not sure about the last thing you said because uh, Ramsey doesn't have that much experience in Champions League we know that Arsenal in the past few years has struggled to qualify uh, for the competition so um, but at the same time I think it's a great signing because if you if you think about the midfield they have a quite solid midfield with Pjanic and Matuidi starting but the last one the third one of the midfield is always a bit you know a question because Kadira is very good he, he did integrate in the Juve's, uh, Juve's game very well but uh, this year and last year as well he lost so many games for injury and that is something that you know Juve needs to think about and, and like Vittorio said he's 31 years old next season is going to be 32 so I think they did need a, um, a midfielder and I really like Ramsey I really like his style like I watched him a lot of Arsenal um, and about the wage I mean yeah there's a lot of confusion about the number what I heard it was the 400k a week but before um, before tax okay, so yeah. You know, that's what I heard. I don't know. We, we don't know what, what was true. But, you know, if you think about it, it, it being a free transfer, about it, it's going to be about 80 million in four years, which is, yeah, a, a, a lot of money. But if you think about what the money they would have to spend if they got it uh, not on a free transfer plus the wage, it would have been a very similar amount. But what I'm thinking about the wage is that it might, it might not be very good for the player uh, obviously, he's going to enjoy these years, but then after Juve, he's going to struggle to find another club. I think because players don't usually uh, settle for a for a lower salary, right? And who else can afford a salary like that for a what thirty, thirty-one years old Ramsey, where he's going to leave Juve or whatever? The only option would be China, but I mean, that you know, that's thinking in the future. But yeah, I'm happy about I'm happy about the signing. I think it will add a lot to Juve midfield, and hopefully, if he's not going to uh, get injured a lot, like. You know, he has done as well. It will, yeah. it will, it will create a, a solid free midfield of Juve. Yeah, absolutely. And and as someone who's watched Aaron Ramsey now for the best part of eleven years, what I can tell you, he will certainly add to this Juve side. He's a bit of industry. Uh, he's a very, very hard worker, very willing runner. Likes to run in behind the strikers, um, and often pops up in in really good goal scoring positions. Probably doesn't score as many goals as he should, actually. When you think of Aaron Ramsey, you think of someone that's very capable of getting forward. But in actual fact, his goal return is not great. It's not as good as you may think it is. Um, so, you know, I guess Juve are, are hoping that can, they can get that out of him, a little bit more of a contribution yeah, in front of goal. We see that the style that Juve plays, even a player like Kedira there at Real Madrid, it wasn't exactly a goal scorer, but he's scoring quite a good amount of goals for the amount of games that he's playing. And the support from Ronaldo that we saw in the last game with Sassuolo that, uh, you know, he, he, they were playing quite well with each other. And he also uh, hit the post shortly after his goal. Like, I think someone like Ramsey, if he plays in the position of Kedira with that uh, style of play that Juve has, he can score a lot of goals and maybe be his record as well. 
Yep, not a bad shout. Just a, a, a couple more bits before we move on from the Aaron Ramsey thing. You know, I'm reading the comments uh, that came from Fabio Paratici when he was talking about the signing. He says, we don't have another player like Aaron Ramsey in our squad. Um, and he says, Ramsey's a player who, in my opinion, still hasn't found his position because he's never played as a Metzala in a three. I don't know if I've said that right, guys, but Vittorio, what what is that role? Because that's something that... I understand is you know used in Italian football culture it's not something that it comes up regularly here in the UK and for our English speaking listeners they may be looking at that term and thinking what is it so can you shed any light on that if if it is a common term well um it depends how you play because mezzale is very used in Italy and you pronounce it perfectly by the way but it, it varies between uh teams and teams um Usually, it's when you have a midfield of three central uh, midfielder and you have the playmaker that is going to be Pjanic in this case most most of the time, or Kedira, we saw it a little bit, or Emrekan. And then you're going to have two midfielders on the sides. And usually, they should be box-to-box midfielder. They should be very good in defending and good in attacking. Uh, one thing that... Uh, Tommy was saying one of the reasons why Kedira is scoring a lot because he has space. Being a Mezzala means that you can uh, get in the box without the ball. And so it's difficult for a defender to mark you because uh, without the ball, he has to look to the other players, probably another striker or a midfielder that has the ball. So um, if you're very good getting in the box, uh, then you can be scoring a lot of goals like Kedira did. And Ramsey, I think, has Paratici is right saying that he could he could be very useful because he had that skill. So he, if he gets in the box and thinking about Juventus attacking trio, you know, you have Mandzukic, you have Ronaldo, you have Bernardeschi, Dybala, etc. The defender are going to be pretty busy and often they're going to forget about uh, Ramsey or, or who the other midfielder is in Juventus. So I think he's right when he says that he can score a lot. That's a little bit the, the Mezzala uh, type of player. I don't know if it's, it's that clear. No, no, I get, I get what you're saying. And, and I had a look at it earlier on today, actually. I read a really good article over at footballitalia.net and they actually explained what it was. And it was pretty much what you said, um, you know, in the sense that, it, it, the the role varies depending on the team, depending on the manager, um, and often it's some it's a midfielder who's box to box, and sometimes who gets up in support of the striker. So I guess it's a role that can be defined differently by different managers. So be interesting to see how Aaron Ramsey is applied at Juventus, um, particularly as someone who's who spent so many years watching him in the flesh. I'd like to see whether he can take his game to the next level. And, and, you know, there's no doubt about it. Juventus are a stronger team than Arsenal at the minute. Um, and, you know, he's got a real chance of competing for the Champions League. And, and you, I guess you'd say it's pr- pretty nailed on that he's going to win a Scudetto at some point. So it, it seems a great move for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Let's move on to another side now who are performing very well this season uh, that is Atalanta uh, they've kept up uh, the pace with the Champions League contenders and Duvan Zapata completed their comeback over the weekend uh, against Spal. they went a goal down but they ended up coming back from that and and getting all three points and you know they're well in the race 
Uh, Tommy, how good are this Atalanta side and how good is Duvan Zapata? Because he scored 15 goals in his last 10 Serie A appearances. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Absolutely. Zapata's been incredible. Uh, and it, it's, it's kind of a big regret for me as a Sampdoria fan. And, and you know, Zapata used to play for our side last year. But it wasn't, it wasn't nowhere near the, the player is today. And I think uh, we... The, the biggest, you know, the biggest reason why he's such a good player this year is definitely the manager Gasperini. Uh, we know that Gasperini is very good to, to you know, play football. Like that, that relies on the central striker. He he was the manager of Genoa for a lot of years, and you know, in Genoa they have a long a long history of strikers that scored a lot of goals, like Milito, Borriello, uh, even the last Piontek, You know, so definitely Gasperini. I think he has to take a credit for uh, how well. Uh, Zapata is playing and as well the game you can see that the team is playing for him even uh, players like Papu Gomez uh, he's always been like a winger you know a very a very offensive winger and he scored quite a lot of goals in the past few years but this year is he said himself in the interview that I saw a few days ago he's literally playing like much lower and he's a player more as a playmaker rather than a winger and that obviously helps uh, the, the, the central striker and then you know with all the circumstances He's, I think he's great. He's, you know, he's very tall. He's very uh, um, fast. He's got a lot of uh, physical strength and pace. He's just a great player. And in this style of play, I'm not surprised he's, he's shining. Yeah, absolutely. Vittorio, can Atalanta sustain this? Can they be in the race for a Champions League spot right until the end of the season? Or do you think they'll fall short? Thank you for the easy question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as I said, even last time, Atalanta is playing probably the best football in Serie A. And uh, as Tommy was saying, you have to give big credit to Gasperini. Uh, he's an unbelievable manager. And he was great even in Genoa. The only problem there was that Preziosi, Genoa president, every January was selling pretty much all his squad. So he had to restart from scratch every January and wasn't able to make it to the Europe League. Now here with Percassi Atalanta, it's, it's a better club and they are, they are achieving a, a dream, I would say. They are in semi-final of Coppa Italia and they're still fighting for the Champions League. Now, uh, Gasperini said uh, Monday, I think, or after the match they played Sunday, that it's still unbelievable to think they're going to be able to compete for the Champions League till the end of the year. Uh, the big question is, will they be able to to play like that? Uh, now, the problem is they still have a semi-final of Coppa Italia, and I think that they will try to win it because uh, without Juventus, without Napoli, even Atalanta has the chance to to win it, to be honest with you. So probably that will take uh, a lot of energy, not only physically, but I think especially mentally, for a team that is not used to play so important matches, that semi-final that is, can cost them the, a lot. Talking about Zapata, let's not forget that he came to Napoli both them, and I think Napoli fans are the one regretting more because he hardly got a chance to play with Napoli. They they sent him on loan pretty much immediately. And even with Sampdoria or with Udinese, you can see that this player had talent. Um, honestly, I always said that uh, he, he should have been a target for Lazio because that's the type of striker that Lazio didn't have and was perfect to combine with Ciremobile. He's big, he's physical but still he he has talent he has ball skills so 
he's 27 so he still can can improve i think he's a great striker and uh, i think that he can do even better and uh, if atalanta will reach the champions league it's gonna be thanks to zapata yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No doubt about that. Now, the shock this weekend in Serie A came, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to do this, Tommy, but it came at Sampdoria, didn't it? Where they were defeated uh, at home, 1-0 by Frosinone. Uh, it was a Daniel Ciofani goal that gave Frosinone the victory. And we were talking last week, weren't we, about Sampdoria's chances of mounting a challenge for the Champions League spots. And, and Tommy, you were quite adamant that you know, Sampdoria weren't going to do it and that the, the most they could hope for was a Europa League place. Is this why? Uh, you know, what went wrong? Uh, well, to be honest with you, this, this was very, very, very disappointing, as you can imagine. Uh, it was, I was watching the game, I was buzzed for it, I was sure that we were going to win. It was, you know, it, it looked like the perfect, perfect day. You know, all the fans turned up, they were doing, they're doing a great show on the, on the stadium. And uh, finally, Gabbedini was starting, which I'm very happy about. We were at home against, you know, Frosinone and 19th in the league. Uh, the, the first 15, 18 minutes of the game, we also had poor possession, you know, close to, close to 200%. Right? We would literally had control of the game. It really looked like a perfect game. And then all of a sudden, everything went wrong. Uh, well, for Zinone scored a goal, uh, a, a nice goal. Uh, I have a picture like, in front of me because I was showing uh, another guy earlier. And that was, that was very poor defending from us. Uh, you can see that uh, Chofani. Is right in the middle of the box, and he has three players around him. With, which one is Colley, so defender, center midfielder, center uh, sorry, center um, center defender, and then there's uh, Ekdal and Pryat. They're just there, and they like literally a triangle. And Chofin is right in the middle of it. Everyone is looking at the ball. No one is looking at him, so he's free to shoot. And I mean, he took the chance and he, he scored. And since then, you know, it's very, it's always very hard when the team defends a lot. Frosinone was already defending from the first minute, but after the score they go, it was literally 11 men behind the ball, which is exactly what you should do if you're, if you're a little team, a small team. And they did it very well. And to be fair, Sampdoria, after the goal, didn't, didn't really, you know, did react because the, the, we didn't really have many chances up until the last five minutes when there was a shot from Ramirez. Uh, but yet, there was not many, much movement. I think, I think, you know, last time I told you that, Usually the team managed by John Paolo, which is our manager, they always have a little decrease of, of physical form right in the end of the season. Uh, but that usually happens around March. Like, I think it, it's a bit too early for that. So I'm a bit concerned to be fair. Uh, but I hope it's just just in, in just you know one game, and then for the next one we will start again winning. Yeah, absolutely. A very disappointing uh, fixture that for, from a Sampdoria perspective anyway. But Vittorio, from a Frosinone point of view, that is a huge result, isn't it? Because they're now in with a shout of, of surviving. Um, I know they were never really out of it, but that will be a massive boost in terms of their survival hopes, won't they? What do you think their chances are like of surviving another year in, in Italy's top flight? I think of the team that are fighting for relegation, Frosinone it's the one that probably is best organized. They they don't have Serie A talent, let's put it like that. But they have nothing to lose. They fight on every match and well organized. So uh, they defend very well. And uh, you can see even Lazio struggle to beat them. Uh, so 
it's not it's not very difficult. And the other thing is you have to think about the other teams that are fighting for for not get relegated. Kievo, I think it's done. I don't. I don't think they yeah, believe it in in uh, in surviving, and, and you can see it last last weekend. Uh, Bologna now with Mialovic, things have changed, but we have to see after the the shock of the new manager how this team will perform after the next couple of of uh, matches. Uh, Udinese is is a team that struggles a little bit. It didn't convince me. So uh, Empoli as well. Attacks really, really well, but defending is really poor. So Empoli can can score against any any team, even against Juventus, but can allow goals to Kiev as well. So it's it's going to be complicated. And now Cagliari is a little bit struggling. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. Uh, as I said, Frosinone has nothing to lose because everybody already this summer will say, OK, Frosinone is going down immediately. No, no doubt about that. Uh, instead, they are not a bad team. They are very, very well organized. They fight on every every match. So I think that they have good chances. I don't want to say they are safe, but you know they are in a better position than I expected to. Yeah, absolutely. And and fingers crossed. I like to see the little clubs do well. So I'd like to see them stay in the division. Uh, why not? I, I, for some reason, I don't like Udinese all that much as well. So wouldn't mind seeing them go down, um, <laughs> which is a real possibility. Um, now, when I looked at the fixtures for this weekend, sort of prior to, to Friday, and I was trying to plan my weekend of football, what I was going to watch, the, the Serie A fixture that jumped off the page to me was that between Fiorentina and Napoli. Um, unfortunately, the game ended up goalless. Both sides had injury problems. Uh, Fiorentina had to put together a makeshift defense with Milenkovic and, and Benassi uh, out and Vincent Lorini was injured. Vitor Hugo was only fit enough to make the bench. Obviously, Napoli had Albio and Milik out. Um, was you guys surprised, Tommy, starting with yourself, was you surprised to see that Angolas? I mean, the goalkeepers were fantastic, weren't they? Absolutely. I think Fiorentina and Napoli, uh, both, they're playing home or away. I think it's that kind of game that if you have to bet on something, you bet on both teams to score. You know, but that didn't happen, yeah. And one of the biggest reasons, as you said, was goalkeeper Lafon from Fiorentina, which is a goalkeeper that I really, really like. It's, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, Napoli was was better. They played better. They had many more chances, uh, and uh, they had majority of the possession, like they they usually do. To be fair, they had a lot of chances, and Fiorentina didn't look too brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm quite interested, to be fair about uh, the way the Fiorentina plays because since Muriel came to the squad it's not it's not really clear how Fiorentina plays because um, this this game they played with three at the back which they became became five at the back for most of the time and they played with Chiesa and Muriel up front and then Simeone came, uh, came up uh, in, the, in, the, in the second half while the last game they were started with just Muriel and, and kind of a 4 3 3 with the, you know Benassi and Mezzala like we were talking before and before that as well, there was Simeone and then Muriel came up. So I'm a bit confused how Fiorentina plays. And, you know, Chiesa has been playing as a winger for the, for the whole season. He's been doing great. And then he started almost as a striker in the last, in the last game. And he did fairly well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very interested to, to see how Fiorentina will. I think that he's going, Pioli is going to have to decide the style of playing and stick to it if he wants to get to the Europa League. And I'm very interested to see what, what it's going to be. Vittorio, your thoughts on this one? Um... Do you sort of echo what Tommy said or, or do you see it differently? 
yes, one thing uh, I don't remember who who I was talking to a Napoli journalist, and he said last year with Sarri, you knew that we would have scored eventually. Now this year with Ancelotti, we maybe we play even better or we created chances, but we are not sure that we are going to score. And this is pretty much what happened against Fiorentina. Um, I fear that Napoli is regressing a little bit. Um, the top players are a little bit performing not as well as last year, probably this hamsick uh, problem he's going, he's not going, etc. didn't help. Let's not forget that he's the leader. He's not playing like in the past, but he's still the leader. And seeing him living like that, uh, I, I don't think helped the team. So I think on one side, Ancelotti has to find different solution to make this team play play well again and scoring again like before. And now they, they're going to have some injuries, so that's not going to help. Talking about Fiorentina, Fiorentina it's a very young and very talented team. So it's always funny to see them play. Um, talking about tactics, knowing Pioli very well, he likes to change often the, the, the starting 11, the formation. And even during the match, he likes to change position to players. Um, he likes often to play with a Fuelso Nuove, so not a real number nine, but someone who moves around and creates spaces. And I think that Muriel can play in that position and moving around, he can he can create space for Federico Chiesa. That it's really good in that position. So I don't think that Pioli is going to stick in one position. And to me, Fiorentina reminds me a little bit of what Tommy was saying about Sampdoria. It's a team that's going to be having a lot of ups and downs. They're very young, so it, it, it's something that you're going to see a lot. They're very talented, so they can eventually beat Fiorentina and then lose against Frosinone. But it's always nice to see them playing. Yeah, absolutely. Always great to watch. Um, but, but just to add to your point there, Vittorio, you spoke about... Napoli may be regressing a little bit under Carlo Ancelotti. I know they lost a couple of players in the summer. Um, you know, we're talking about Hamsik as well, leaving a leader in the dressing room and all that. But from what I saw, and I did watch the game, I felt that Napoli still created enough chances. I felt like they were just kind of having an off day. I mean, there was one I remember that Dries Mertens missed that you would have bet your house on him on him score. So is it a problem in the way that they're approaching games or, or is it just things are not going their way at the moment? We may be looking at it too much and, and looking into it too much and maybe seeing an issue that perhaps isn't really there. Well, Martins was one of the best player they had last year. He was unbelievable, but this year he's not performing as well. And that's one of the reasons why Napoli is not playing uh, as, and not scoring like last year. Luckily, and this is something you have to give credit to Ancelotti, Milik is playing much better. He's scoring more than last year, definitely. <laughs> Sarri didn't see Milik uh, while Ancelotti, and this is the big difference. Ancelotti is able to make pretty much all his players perform as best as possible. Now, uh, Martens is probably one of the exception, but I think the, the the Belgian player, it's not at the end of the career, but after the peak, he's going, he's heading down. So 
I was a little bit surprised to see Napoli uh, keeping all these players. I thought that if you want to compete and hope to win the Scudetto, probably they had to sell some of their top players this summer and go and buy uh, younger and more uh, talented players, which they didn't. So I think Ancelotti has to do a sort of miracle every time to to find the right players, to motivate the players, etc. Uh, that's my that's my reason why Napoli is not playing as well last year. Last year, we have to remember that it's something unbelievable. But I, I still thought that Napoli could have performed and score a little bit more. Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting, interesting points there. Now, Vittorio, let's move on to your team, Lazio. Um, of course, Vittorio hosts the Lazio Lounge podcast. So if you're interested in all things Lazio, do head over there and check it out. It's a brilliant podcast. Um, and, you know, of course it is. Look who's presenting it. Fantastic. Um, so do do check that out. Um, but Lazio, obviously, they played earlier on, didn't they, in the week? They played on Thursday night. Um, it was a 1-0 win over Empoli. Wasn't the greatest performance, though, was it, Vittorio? It was a kind of a scrappy 1-0 win, but are you bothered by that? I mean, ultimately, you just need all three points, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't have your PayPal account for the presentation, by the way. <laughs> you can give it out to me. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> but, but to be honest with you, I thought that that was probably the most difficult match of the, of the week and, uh, compared thinking even about Fiorentina and Napoli. Because let's not forget that Lazio played only Monday against Frosinone and then they had to play again on Thursday. So they had really two days to prepare for this match. Um, they had a lot of players out for injury. Luis Alberto and Immobile uh, didn't play. They weren't even on the bench. So Inzaghi had really to to find different solutions. Romulo, who just arrived, started. Berisha, for the first time, started in Serie A. So you couldn't expect a great performance by, by Lazio. Um, to be honest, Empoli, that it's as I said before, it's a it's a dangerous team because they score a lot, they allow a lot, but chances, but they usually are very good to score. Didn't create nothing, so that's that's the positive side. Uh, on the other side, well, Caicedo scored for the second week in a row, which is a sort of miracle. And um, <laughs> I, I, I thought overall it was a good performance, considering that Lazio didn't have. A rest at all, <laughs> uh, you know. Two days is is pretty much nothing considering all the injury they had. So, yeah, it's winning ugly. Uh, Brad Gilbert said. So, I think it's 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 important to win all those matches where you're not uh, top of the form and uh, you have to you have a lot of injury players and you have to struggle to put uh, a decent eleven uh, men on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. But why was it that they were playing on Monday and then on Thursday? Because I was actually having a conversation with somebody earlier on and we were talking about how, you know, Roma had a Champions League game this evening and they got to play on Friday to allow them more time to prepare. And I was actually praising uh, Serie A and La Liga in the way that they try and look after their teams when they're playing in Europe. So, uh, you know, because in the UK that doesn't happen. So why... Would Lazio playing on Monday and then on Thursday? That makes no sense to me. So, uh, if you're playing in the Champions League on Tuesday, you can ask to the Football Federation to move your match to Friday. And this is what Roma did. 
uh, instead talking about Lazio. Lazio played on Monday because they played on Thursday the Coppa Italia match against Inter, and uh, so sometimes they they shift the Serie A match instead of Sunday on Monday to give them extra time. Both Lazio and Inter play on Monday last week. The problem on playing Thursday is that. Saturday, there was the Six Nation at the Stadio Olimpico, okay, where yes, Italy yes. Get, got hammered again, as usually, yeah. uh, against Scotland, if I'm not wrong. And, and uh, so, um, they, they give a couple of days before and afterwards. Afterwards, the, the, the Olimpico, it's, it's a disaster. I remember, I think, two years ago, Lazio played uh, two days after the, the Six Nation, and it was impossible to play so Lazio was forced to play on Thursday they could have played on Friday I think I'm not sure about that but so they were first to play on Thursday and uh, yeah that's the reason why Inzaghi struggled to put a decent starting 11 the positive thing is Lazio is now playing on Thursday against Sevilla for the Europe League so at least they had seven days of rest yeah that's true they've got some time to take a break now and and don't worry about the Six Nations defeat you know football is more you guys is forte and and you know you're much better than Scotland in that department so I won't worry about the the Six Nations let's worry about the sports that matter um but then you also made a good point about Empoli where you said that they do score a lot of goals and I, I just brought up the table in front of me now and Empoli, you know, in 23 games, they've scored 27 goals, which doesn't sound like a great deal. But when you look at the teams around them, I mean, if you look at, you know, Bologna, they've scored 18. Udinese have scored 18. Cagliari, 19. uh, And Frosinone below them, 17. Chievo, uh, 19. So that's quite a lot more, isn't it, than than the teams around them. So, you know, fingers crossed, that's the, the kind of thing that will lift them out of the drop zone and, and hopefully they can survive. Yeah, the problem is they allowed 45 goals that it's, I think, Oli Kievo did worse than them. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they are, they are a funny team. They're, it's nice to watch Empoli because they are really attacking team because they know that they cannot sit back like Frosinone and try to defend because otherwise it's going to be a 6-0 lose for them. So they try to attack and score and uh, and try to win matches, which is funny and it's very uncharacteristic for Italian teams that are fighting for relegation. They usually try to sit back, defend and hope for a draw. Fair play to them. Let's hope that their bold approach is enough uh, come the end of the season. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is uh, Parma nil into one. That took place at the Stadio Ennio Tardini. And, uh, you know, Lautaro Martinez scored with his first touch of the game. He came off the bench and basically relieved Luciano Spalletti of a bit of pressure, at least temporarily. Tommy, um, how important was that victory for the Nerazzurri? Yeah, I think it was important, uh, especially for the for the fans, you know, because they were already complaining about the manager, about the, what they wanted to change. I think I think a little a win is, is at least something that makes everyone kind of shut up for a little bit, you know. But besides that, I don't think it really changed much in in Inter at the moment. Uh, the good things were that uh, both Perisic and Nangolan performed very well. And that's very, very, very good for Inter because, as we were talking last week, uh, we I was I was t- telling you that um, a concern for me if I was an Inter fan would be that Paris doesn't have much motivations to play well until the end of the season because it's probably going to be sold. But instead, he performed very well. He contributed to the victory, and same for Nangolan. 
he was uh, was getting a lot of you know bad you know everyone was talking so bad about him on, on social medias and stuff and then he replied with a great performance uh, but beside that you know it, I think this game really shows our, our, our football is really a matter of a, of a few seconds you know because Lautaro Martinez scored a very a very good goal like it was very I think it was a very good difficult goal uh, but just imagine if he hadn't scored that, you know, if he, if he just, you know, hit the post or whatever, then in nil nil with Parma, everyone would have complained even more. While now everyone, I mean, not everyone, some people though are saying Inter, you know, is coming back, Inter is going to win again. So it really shows you that there's a very thin line in football between big, you know, glory and, and misery. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I saw this one as a potential banana skin for Inter, given, you know, we were singing Palmer's praises on last week's show, weren't we? After they got that fantastic result in Turin. And then, of course, you know, when you look at the corresponding fixture earlier on in the season, Palmer did win at the San Siro, didn't they? So, you know, I, I did look at this fixture and think this is a potential banana skin for Inter. But, sure. you know, Vittorio, this is this is a good result. It's, you know, it's far from the blinding performance that some of their fans may have hoped for, but they've got the three points. And do you think that they're going to hold on to, to third place? It looks to me as though that's theirs to lose now. It, it was a very important victory because all the other teams won Milan, Atalanta, Roma, Lazio. So if they didn't win against, against Parma, then the fight for, for the Champions League spot would have been interesting for for Inter as well, and uh, fighting after uh, you know you were third alone, uh, and then you go out of the Champions League, out of the Coppa Italia. People fans start uh, complaining. It, it gets tough to fight in that condition. So it was really important to win. Uh, I still think that probably of the lot of the team fighting for the Champions League, Inter is the best team. Uh, so I think at the moment they deserve the third point, the third position. Um, and at the same time, Parma is that type of team that, uh, after an unbelievable draw against Juventus, get a little bit relaxed and and don't play as well as they did the week afterwards, the the week before. And this is pretty much what happened. But you know, next week there's a exciting match for Inter. It's Inter Sampdoria. That's another big test, and uh, and, and you can see if you know things have improved. Said this. I mean, Nainggolan, it's, it was considered one of the best, if not the best midfielder in Serie A in the past year. It's not possible that suddenly he, he forgets everything and it's and become a disaster. Uh, you move from Rome to Milan, two very different cities, and uh, he has to a little bit adapt to a very different type of style of living. And I think this took a little bit of time for, for Nangolan, plus he had some little injury that uh, uh, didn't allow him to train uh, regularly. And uh, I think things are only get, going to get better for him. So I think Inter is the favorite for keeping the third spot. Yeah, man. and just to reiterate your point about how important that win was, if you look at the table, you know, had they not picked up all three points there, there would have only been two points between them and Milan in fourth. And then, like you said, they would have been dragged right back into the, uh, the the Champions League scrap. Whereas now they've got a little bit of breathing space, a little bit of a cushion. And, and you know, I'm sure that they'll be obviously looking over their shoulders, but that cushion could be vital come the end of the season. Now, Vittorio, you mentioned the fixtures next week and looking at them, 
there are some mouth-watering clashes, aren't there? There's Atalanta, Milan as well, um, which takes place next weekend into Sampdoria. Uh, Napoli, Torino, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Torino are not a bad side. They're capable of uh, of causing an upset there. Um, so that leads me nicely onto one of our listener questions, and this comes from uh, Tony C on Twitter. And his question is, Gents, I'm a casual Serie A fan. Looking at the fixtures in week 24, I can't decide what to watch. Um, I should be taking my wife out for Valentine's, but instead we'll be watching Serie A. So which match would you guys recommend? Uh, Starting with yourself, Tommy, I know you're a Sampdoria fan, so you might be a little bit biased here. But from a neutral perspective, what game would you uh, be most interested in in week 24? Uh, well, you can we can watch Inter Sampdoria anyway because it's going to be at five o'clock on Sunday. That's the only game at that time. So I mean, you can definitely watch that. Uh, luckily, I see that most of the games are different times. So if you if you're actually looking for a game to watch, you can literally watch them all. Atalanta Milan you know, on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, again, Inter Sampdoria is a five. But talking about what the most interesting game is going to be, in my opinion. It would be Atalanta Milan if I if I could watch only one game. It would be that one if I was a neutral fan. I think it's going to be a very important test for Atalanta. We all praising them how well they're playing, and I think this is going to be a very good test. And obviously, very important for the table as well. If you look at it, if Atalanta is going to win, it's going to go fourth, so on top of Milan. Uh, about Inter Sampdoria again, I don't want to sound like a negative fan. If we had done this podcast a few months ago, I wouldn't be much more positive. But I don't think I don't think we're going to get much out of it. We don't really have a you know good history against Inter, especially away. I've been I've been to a lot of games away and um, as well with Icardi since we sold him and we had the fans had the problems with him. He always scored against us. He always celebrated under our fans. You know the hands of the years. I don't know. I don't think. I think we're in a poor form as well. We only won one of the past five games. I don't really. I'm not really positive about it. About it as much. Um, so yeah. Uh, then general last year, I think it would be a very interesting game as well because Genoa, on the other hand, has a very good history against Lazio. And but uh, you know, obviously Lazio is gonna try to win to stay in that Champions League spot. And Immobile is, is probably gonna uh, come back, and that's gonna be very important for Lazio. But uh, for that, I'll let, I'll let Vittorio take over. Vittorio, what's your recommendation to Tony, the casual Serie A fan? <laughs> it's funny because Tommy was saying that this would be an important, Atalanta-Milan would be an important test for Atalanta. For me, it's completely the opposite. It's going to be an important test for Milan because you know how Atalanta is going to play. You know how good they're going to perform and attacking uh, mind they're going to play so it's going to be a really important test to to see if Milan have improved uh, as a team um, I, I'm really looking forward to this match because Atalanta usually is really exciting to see especially if you're not a fan uh, I mean if you're playing against Atalanta you're going to have nightmares the day before but if, you, if you're uh, not a Milan fan that could be a really exciting match and as well uh, it's going to be cool to see uh, how Paqueta perform after he scored and how Milan play generally. Um, Inter Sampdoria, I think, is going to be an interesting match. Uh, let's not forget that Sampdoria has still Quagliarella that can score in every single match. And when he scores, usually he scores amazing goals. So that could be an interesting point. And Gabbiadini, who finally is playing, I think he can be a, a nice added value to Sampdoria. 
And the other thing is, let's not forget that, especially in the last week, Inter have gone up and down. So after playing well against Sam, uh, against Parma, maybe they can play bad against Sampdoria. Who knows? Napoli-Torino is going to be a very interesting match. I don't know if it's going to be exciting to see because knowing Mazzarri, he's very well, he's very good when his team has to defend. So I think that if Napoli doesn't score in the first 20, 25 minutes, it's going to be really tough for Ancelotti's team to, to find a way of scoring. And so if in the second half he tried to win it desperately, then uh, Torino will have a lot of space for counter-attack. So it's going to be another interesting match. Absolutely. Uh, one one thing, mate. Sorry, but the the Milan Atalanta game. Uh, just to yeah, um, on on the back of what you said, uh, I definitely agree that is a big test for Milan. But one thing I meant by it's a big test for Atalanta because yeah, as you said, their 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 strikers are performing so well. And Milan, if you see it, it's one of the best uh, defense of the of the of the league because they only conceded twenty one goals, which is the fourth best defense in, in the league. But uh, we all remember that they conceded a lot in the beginning of the season when and, and in the past 10, 15 games they, they've been very, very good in defense and Donnarumma has been incredible but also the sense of defender. Uh, so and Atalanta is is great, great a striker and they score a lot of goals. So yeah, what I meant by a big test for them is that can they can they break a, such a good defense like Milan? But the hand end as well, can Milan play as well as they've been doing it against Atlanta? So yeah, I think I think we're both right, and it, it's a great test for for both of the uh, the teams. So definitely a game to look out for. I think I've made my mind up. I think that's the one I'm going to watch, Atalanta-Milan. So that's my (laughs) recommendation uh, anyway. um, Moving on to another listener question, actually, and it's Vittorio touched on it again. It's like we're all in sync this evening. Brilliant. Um, It's from a Watford fan. Uh, His name is Robert J. And then it's just got some numbers on the end of his Twitter. So thanks, Robert. We'll just call him Robert. Um, He asks, how is Walter Mazzari getting on? At Torino, you know, he was obviously at Watford and, you know, uh, there was a lot of Watford fans that were a bit surprised that he lost his job when he did. How is he getting on at Torino? Is he is he doing a good job there? Uh, and, and sort of, you know, has he developed further? Is he still defensive? Is he uh, basically what is Walter Mazzari up to? <laughs> I would say it's the same uh, usual Mazzari. So <laughs> complaining for everything, very good in defending. Uh, but yeah, uh, and Torino is, it, I, I think, reflects, as often happens, the team reflects uh, the mind of the of the manager. And this is what's happening with Torino. Uh, they, they have improved defending. They are not a team that you are happy to see because they don't play an amazing football. But that's the typical Mazzari style. So uh, I, I think it's too late for him to evolve or to become, you know, Gasperini style. But you know that it's always tough to play against him. So every manager that plays, that's going to play against Torino is going to be very careful because Mazzari prepares the match very, very well on the defending side point of view. Fantastic, fantastic. And the last question, I'm uh, going to put this one to you first, Tommy. Uh, this one comes from Finally Farouk on Twitter. Um, he says, does Ramsey coming into Juve signal the end for Sami Khedira? 
Um, potentially. I don't think you will get rid will get rid of Kadir. I think they will still keep him in the squad. But like we were talking in the beginning of the show, I think Kadira, like Juventus is very concerned about Kadira for the amounts of games that he missed in the past two years and about his age as well. I think they want they want to find and someone that can start basically every game like with Kanchi Matuidi. And Kadira, I think, is one of the best options as a sub. I think you know if if Juve maybe is struggling to score, if he comes in, it can it can definitely go forward like he's, he's doing in all the games and maybe found that goal they're looking for. So I think Kedira would be a perfect sub. And so I don't think that Juve is gonna get rid of him. I think they definitely keep him in the squad for a few more years. But yeah, it will definitely have much many less starts with um Ramsey in the squad. Brilliant. Interesting stuff. Right, guys, that brings us to the end of another roundup. Do you uh, guys want to give our listeners your Twitter handles, Tommy? Uh, let our listeners know how they can keep up with your fantastic work. Yeah, sure. On Twitter, I'm Tommy, I'm Tommy Nantimin. Yeah, and I'll uh, work, uh, I'm doing stuff with Nantimin, so you can find them in all the social platforms uh, for daily content, video, written, and graphically uh, on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter brilliant stuff Vittorio yeah you can find me on Twitter at Vittorio Campa and I usually talk about Lazio but in general of Italian football so if you need some more info about Italian football you can follow me on Twitter brilliant stuff and do follow these guys they're both brilliant Uh, they've both been extremely helpful in the launch of this show and they're both great guys and brilliant at what they do so do follow them do check out their other work as well Uh, as i mentioned earlier vittorio has the lazio lounge podcast which am i right in saying that you broadcast straight after games vittorio yes usually we're able to do it fantastic Uh, so hot off the press reaction uh, to Lazio games and of course Tommy's doing brilliant work over at 90 Minute who everybody knows about everybody sees them popping up on their feeds all the time Uh, so these are two brilliant guys do check them out and uh, we'll be back next week with another review show Uh, so stay tuned Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.